you don't need to get the job, you need to get an income stream. <laughs> That's different. Everyone, welcome. This is your host, Robin Copernicus, and I am joined by extraordinary visionaries changing the world and creating impact for our future. And on today's show, we have Sebastian Mirolo, and I'm probably Sebastian, I probably should have asked you for the pronunciation of your name before we started. But if you can help me with the pronunciation and also tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you're up to. Thank you, Robin. Now, uh, pronunciation is perfect. Sebastian Miolo. It's an Italian name. My grandfather was from Italy. He immigrated to France. My father was born in France. I was born in France and then I moved to the United States. <laughs> so we are a wandering family. <laughs> uh, a, native, a digitally native, like a nomadic family. Yeah, through generations, but it's uh, that's what happens. Yeah, no, thank you so much. You say so many things about myself. I didn't even believe in it. I wasn't sure. It's it's really high. And now I have to like get to that point. Hopefully people are going to be happy with uh, what I say. So I think uh, for those listening, I think what Sebastian is referring to is just the word uh, visionary. What I'm sensing, Sebastian, is you're a little uncomfortable with the word visionary. This word, though, however, I, I do believe it's a skill set that a lot of people don't have. And it's a skill set that people can actually build. But some people just have it more naturally than others. But it really does take a very special skill set for someone to be able to have a vision of the future and then start working backwards in order to execute. That's not a skill set that many people have and that's definitely a skill set that you've had as evidenced by the two SaaS companies that you've already built and your current vision that you're working on now you're definitely a visionary Sebastian uh, tell us Thank a little you. bit more yeah tell us a little bit more about what you're working on yeah so what we're doing is uh we're doing a company that is uh, called Jaojin and uh, it's a SaaS company that actually it's more like a platform as a service for SaaS companies so we've built uh, two free SaaS companies. We were consulting building SaaS companies. And what happens is you always end up having to do login, registration, password release, login with Facebook. And then you end up with, okay, checkout, Stripe connection, subscription, and then access control, role-based access control, subscription-based access control. And, and so what happens is if you look at the project roadmap of a SaaS company, it always ends up like, okay, we're doing this thing small and then customer says, I want to be able to register with my phone number and then I need to be able to do this. And every SaaS company goes through the same roadmap and a lot of those features, they are not their product, to be honest. It's just like running a business on the internet, you need all of these features. And there are a few companies of zero, Stripe, there's a lot of companies that provide pieces but it's also you as a SaaS company to put everything together and, and build it. And it can be very time consuming. So that's what we've done. We've done it in a way that looks like a CDN. So basically you just have to build a Docker container with your business logic, ship it on our platform, and then everything from that is running the SaaS on the internet is there for you and, and you can iterate from there. So it makes it a lot faster to develop projects, to develop and uh, for us, it, it helps us like in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I can see definitely how this will help shortcut a lot of founders that are building their own SaaS. Because just like you said, this is one of the things that every founder needs to do, but that's not where the value is added. The value mm -hmm. is added in a much different way. So you're just providing an off-the-shelf solution so people can shortcut that process and go straight to delivering value for their customers. 
Correct. And, and you have to understand too, like how technical teams are built together. You have operation teams that know how to run AWS cluster, Kubernetes, and all of these things. Then you have application teams that know the business logic. And then you have content teams that know how to do UI. And all of these people, they need to cooperate, but also like when you decide what is the strong suit of your company, where you're going to put your resources, that's the people you hire. And then you lack on the other side because you just don't have the resources to do everything. And so that's why we personally focused on like everything, which is operations running on the internet, AWS, and all the infrastructure of running a SaaS so that founders and entrepreneurs, they can just have uh, uh, UI designers, they can have people that really understand the market, the business logic and the application they want to build, and then they trust us to post the application. So I think that's really to understand when you build the SaaS is not just the business logic, but also like how the teams and how the skills they need to be able to be put together. And uh, full, stack, full stack engineer doesn't know everything. It's not full stack. It's like a little bit of everything, maybe. <laughs> but the full stack is really good. So yeah. Yes. Sebastian, how long have you been working on Jiaojin? That's about four or five years. We got lucky to get a few customers. And then as soon as we got a few customers, we registered the company. We started to do a lot of professional services to bootstrap the revenue stream. And about two years ago, we switched fully into a subscription-based mode with a very little professional services. That's a really good point that I kind of want to highlight that you made is you actually waited to get the customers before you even thought about registering the company. So there's a lot of founders out there that make this mistake, which is they'll try to gather thousands of dollars to try to hire startup lawyers and try to figure out how they're going to structure their company or they'll try to get patents and all these things. And you went straight to the customer first. And then after the customer, then you realize that, okay, now it's actually time to start building a company. Was that methodical or did it just happen naturally? I started my first company. I was 20 years old. I built three or four after that. Still makes a lot of mistakes, but one mistake I'm not making anymore is uh, first you sell the product. <laughs> You get somebody to give you a check and then you start to figure out how you're going to. And there's a lot of ways you can always assign the customer and then you say, listen, you pay me now. If I cannot deliver in within three months, I just refund you. But at least you have this money to start building your company from an actual customer. So that's what I believe in right now. It's uh, it's really like you have to sign the customers, get their money, figure out how you're making the product and go from yeah. What type of customer acquisition strategies are you using to get people onto Jiaojin? So all our product is open source on GitHub and that's a huge channel for us for people coming in. We are targeting developers in a lot of ways, product managers, so Acker News, uh, Product Hunt uh, are places where people find us, talk about us, and then SEO, random stuff. Sometimes I search the name of a company on the internet and I have people that they wrote blog posts about us I didn't even know. They never ever talked about us. They just say, hey, I found this cool product and that's how I'm using it. So a lot of it is like this. But you have to understand like inbound strategy, especially everything which is a blog and all of this, it takes a long time, six months to a year before we got the first lead. So early on, it was a lot of cold calling and the referrals. Referrals is huge, especially when you get started. Most of our early customers was referrals.
Yes, absolutely. What you're saying is you first started with referrals and yeah. then after you started getting traction with referrals, you were able to maybe get some social proof that your mm -hmm. solution actually works. And then what is your next step? Are you going straight to organic or are you going to paid or partnership? We haven't done paid. We mostly doing organic because we are, we are having a model that's like WordPress. So it's a lot of things we give for free, the code, the blog post, everything. For us, SEO has worked really well because we're talking about very technical problems. There's not a lot of competitions. For example, we are using is we are putting error messages. Like you get a weird cryptic error messages from AWS. We say, hey, that's what the error message means. That's how we fixed it. You get to the first page of Google with almost no issue because it's not a subject that is very talked about. Um, Sebastian is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so you're starting to get this, this traffic and you're essentially creating inbound traffic through SEO and then you're also doing a little mix of outbound by doing cold mm -hmm. calling and, and things like that. What is your outbound strategy? That's a very good question and that's one we're actually reworking right now because the go-to-market strategy it was not well thought out now that I realize it. We like when we started, we basically tried to target entrepreneurs, we tried to target first-time founders, we tried to target software development uh, shops, building those products. And it ended up being too wide in a lot of ways because the actual market and the industry you're in is very important. Like for example, we build a project for low-income housing tax credit in California, another product for environmental sustainability for a big energy company in California, PGE. And it turns out like it's two different verticals and people they don't talk to each other. So what we have done is now we've redefine the profiles of companies and people in those companies where we're going after and we've narrowed it. So it's not just founders, it's not just nurses, it's people that are working for professional trade associations and they're trying to build practice sharing platforms. So even though our product is generic in a lot of ways. We basically, consensually, from a marketing point of view, specialized it into, no, we're only doing it for these people. And, and then everybody else that comes from SEO and we do something else, it's fine, but that's not where we have focused our energy uh, from an outbound perspective. And, and, and what were the results of honing down into those industry verticals? Yes, so it really did help. We. When you are building the company, you also have to think about uh, the price tag. If you're selling a project at $200 a month, you cannot use an outbound strategy because <laughs> the cost of having a salesperson is just not working out. So that's why like now we have contracts that are like 10,000, 20,000 a year. If we get a SDR and somebody doing outbound, then that's the investment. And so that's why, that's why we've done it this way. And that's why you always have to think about, okay, what's your price tag? Then based on your price tag, you're gonna have to choose which strategy you wanna go focus on. Absolutely, and in terms, okay, so you've changed your strategy in a bit where it's a little bit more high ticket, and now you're getting SDRs to go out and yeah. start doing cold calls. Has this process already started or is, is this like where you're pivoting in your strategy? That's where we're pivoting. That's where we started last month. Hopefully I talked to you in a few months and I can tell you it worked great. <laughs> that's my hope. <laughs> That's actually, so that's actually leads me to the very next question is, where do you see Zhao Jin 12 months from now? That's a very good question. 12 months from now, I think we'll get, 
what I want to make sure is we have very good brand recognition into professional trade associations. Anybody that deals with environmental sustainability or any kind of inter-companies, alliances, NGOs, and people doing things that are not so focused on a single enterprise, then I hope we get good brand recognition that people come to us and we don't have to call them, or if we call them, they know already who we are. That's my goal for the next 12 months, yeah. Okay, in terms of that strategy, is that more like cold calling and then just putting yourself in front of these these trade organizations? Yes. Like. Yes, and one of these reasons too why we switched to this strategy is because like actually professional trade associations, because they're and they're non-profits in a lot of ways, they have a lot of reporting constraints. So there's actually databases and websites where you can actually find them, which was a, which is a lot easier and a lot better than first-time founders because you don't have a website where you have a list of all the first-time founders that you can call. <laughs> so that's why you have to think like, where am I going to find those names? Yeah. I, I actually do want to share that my audience are first-time founders and I, I feel like we're pretty close to have cracked this code. So maybe we need to Oh, awesome. Yeah, that would, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah, I actually remember that. on your yeah on your application that you were considering starting an accelerator program because you've looked at these accelerator programs that are around and you've mentioned that they're like like graduate degree programs or PhD programs in disguise, but it's not very much of a, a hand holding process. And uh, you were looking to change that pair. Yes, correct, and that's one of the reasons is because we started with professional services. We started building like full solutions for entrepreneurs and people and then we started to partner with them and so sometimes we do have equity in some of our customers too and it turns out that it's actually a great model if you're actually bootstrapped it opens you a lot of possibilities like we don't have to build a company with a single product and then get a big market we can actually build a fund we can build a portfolio of companies and then make money like this. There's way different ways we can organize the company, how we can work, how we can get things funded. We don't have to fit a model, we can invent our own model. And that's what I'm really happy about. That's what I want to do. It's building a company, it's like so many people did it before, but building a portfolio of companies where everybody is connected and there's not like you have a job, it's like you have an income stream and that income stream is connected with some work you do for somebody and somebody else has another income stream and it's not, oh, I work for this person, I have a boss and that's what I do, <laughs> you know. I love that. Yes, we are so aligned on that. So my accelerator program, Vertical Liftoff, the founders that come into this program, they feel that they're very multi-talented and they have a lot of different passions and all their entire life, they've been told that they need to just stick to one passion or stick to one talent or just stick to one thing. And what they don't realize is that there's actually more that you can do by trying to find synergy between your talents and your passions to where you can leverage it all for like different income streams that help you build essentially an empire so instead of just building a company or a brand just like you said you're building this portfolio where you're building this empire yeah at the end of the day what's important is how many cash comes in and how many cash goes out where it's coming from or which kind of legal entity you have doesn't matter that much. It's, it takes a while for people to realize because when you grow up, you've been taught to you need to get a job, you need to get a job. You don't need to get a job, you need to get an income stream. <laughs> That's different. 
Yes, yes. And once you make this mind shift, this change, then it's totally different because now if you're looking for a client, that's a job, mm -hmm. but it's also an income stream and it's an income stream that you can control. Correct. And, and it's a lot easier when you actually have a clients. Sometimes it's hard as a freelancer, but it's a lot easier when you have clients because they don't have leverage over you. Like when you work for somebody, especially as a full-time employee, a lot of times like the employer knows exactly how much money you make and they can like push it down because of that. When you work with clients, they have no idea how much they contribute to your income stream. And so it's a lot easier to have an equal relationship than when you have it with an employer. Um, Boom. I love that. Yes, that's self-empowerment because there's a lot of information asymmetry when you go get a job and with, with the client, at least you keep a lot of that information for yourself and you're able to come at a better playing level. Sebastian, where can people learn more about Zhao Jin and uh, where can people learn more about yourself? So Zhao Jin is a D-J-A-O, D-J-I-N. Uh, it basically means the welcome spirit. Zhao is welcome in Northern Thai. My wife is from Thailand. Jin is the spirit in Northern Africa. So Zhao Jin, D-J-A-O, D-J-I-N.com. And otherwise on LinkedIn, you can find me, you can find Zhao Jin. Don't worry, even you misspell it. Most likely you're gonna find us on Google. <laughs> it's a very unique name, so. And uh, LinkedIn, yes, yeah, Sebastian Mirolo, LinkedIn, send me a request and or an email. Nice. Sebastian working on platform as a service with his company, Zhao Jin. And it's actually a very fun name to say. And it's really easy to actually remember once you do remember it. It's DJAO, DJIN. Very Thank simple. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost has a melodic quality to it. Awesome. So Sebastian, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom on this show. Any last words before we go? No, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, anybody has questions, uh, shoot them out. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again next year and uh, tell you everything we did uh, over, over the next 12 months. Yes, that would be actually amazing if we can bring you back onto the show, see how things have changed, because you definitely seem like a very resilient entrepreneur, and it would be very interesting to learn from that experience as well. So thanks again, Sebastian, and thank you guys. Tune in to the next episode.